I'm going to start by reading a scripture um, for you here, and it is from Ezekiel 36, 25 and 26. It goes like this. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I want to talk tonight about the heart. Um, and this is a, a word I feel like I was away on retreat um, two or three weeks ago. It was only last week, my gosh. Um, but, um, <laughs> um, and um, spent a lot of time uh, at my friend Elliot and Claire's place, and they have this little chapel, which is really a glorified kennel with a cross on it. Um, but it's, um, it's built, next to a, um, built next to a little river, and just went there to pray each day. And I feel like this was some stuff that God was revealing to me. So I want to park that um, Ezekiel 36, 25, 26 there for a while. Um, and um, I want to start by telling um, uh, a weird anecdote. Um, I'm 35, and something that happens as you get older um, is that um, your body starts um, like not behaving in the way it did when you were like 20. Um, and um, can I get an amen from anyone? Amen. Amen. All right. Um, so, like, the weirdest thing that's happened to my body in a while, um, <laughs> here we go, great way to begin, um, is, um, is uh, that um, I discovered the other week a hair growing out of the middle of my forehead. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? Like, will you go back on my head with the other hair? Why are you sitting here in the middle of my face? Um, and, um, and so I had to pluck out this thing. And the moment you have to, like, pluck anything on your head, then it's like kind of like you're like you're heading to old, right? Like you know, like my grandfather's nostril hairs are gradually coming through. Um, today I've got a hair out of my ear. Like it's just like I feel like I'm 35 going on 70 or something like that. Um, but um, do you guys ever just feel? And I know um, Emily, you'll be able to agree with this because of what you just shared. But do you guys just ever feel like you wish your body would just work? Yes. Like does anyone feel that? Like you're just like. Like, it feels like sometimes you just get off one cream or one medication only to like stub your toe and then have to look after that for like a month or something like that. Like it's just like feels like sometimes your body will never give you a break. Am I, am I talking crazy here or not? No. no. Okay. People are with me. Good. Good. Um, and, um, and why do I talk about that? Well, there's this phrase that Paul uses in Romans 8.21 and he talks about the world being in bondage to decay. This phrase, bondage to decay. Um, and what he means by that is because of the effects of sin, the effects of sickness and brokenness, we live in a world where everything is falling apart all the time. Because of the effects of sin, of sickness and brokenness, we live in a world where everything is falling apart all the time, um, including our bodies. And we see this, like, I often feel sad when I drive through an old town, when I'm, like, driving north, you know? Do you ever, ever feel sad? And you, like, see, like, these buildings which just haven't been looked after, or like everybody just these empty shops and it's just kind of falling apart. You're like, no one's going to fix this. It's been left for 20 years and it's just all gradually falling apart. I always feel this like sadness, you know, like people used to live here. Um, and, um, and we see that, you know, like, man, how many of you own a car? A few of us? Like the continual battle of trying to keep a car in one piece, eh? It's just like disastrous. Like just constantly falling apart. And then again, yeah, just like looking at our human bodies, if you want to know that all creation is in bondage to decay, just look at the fact that everything is falling apart all the time. Yeah. And at the moment you feel like you're getting something back together again, 
it falls apart. There's this interesting thing, I think, particularly when we think about the body, um, is that, um, is that if, if I were to come over and slice, uh, put a, a knife through Tommy's chest in a non-fatal way, if we... <laughs> yeah, 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 in a non-fatal way, that um, if we leave that wound in Tommy, that thing's going to go septic. Like, it's not just going to find its own way back to being okay. If you, if you don't tend a wound, it goes septic, it gets gross. Um, if, if, if you keep pulling a scab off, if you keep tearing a scab, eventually it will become a callus. I have like three or four scars, which are just from me being like ages five to ten, where I just couldn't not pull the scab, like, and, um, and just have these, these random scars. And then again with the body, like, it's, it's, it doesn't matter how clean you are in the morning, by the end of the day, you are dirty again. And if you do not wash yourself each day, listen to me, young people. <laughs> if you do not wash yourselves every day, you will become dirty again. It's the nature of an open... <laughs> Preacher, Scotty. Preacher, right. It's the nature of an open wound to go septic. It's the nature of pick scabs to create a callus. It's the nature of the world to make clean skin dirty again. Everything is falling apart all the time, including our bodies. And what I want to argue today, the reason I kind of got tell this convoluted um, story, is I want to argue that it's actually the same with our hearts as it is with our bodies. It is the nature of a wounded heart to go septic. It is the nature of a worn-out heart to grow calloused. And it is the nature of the world for clean hearts to grow dirty. It is the nature of a wounded heart to go septic. It is the nature of a worn heart to grow callous. It is the nature of the world for clean hearts to grow dirty. Everything is falling apart all the time. Like bodies or like old sheds in small rural towns, hearts need maintenance. And if you do not tend to your heart, your wounds will turn septic. And if you do not tend to your heart, your weariness will turn you callous. And if you do not tend to your heart, the world will make this clean thing dirty. You may have heard of this passage, um, Proverbs 4.23, which says, um, you know, guard your heart. And the only way I've ever heard that scripture used is basically as an excuse for people not to hang out with difficult people. Oh, I'm guarding my heart. (laughs) I don't want to be around that tough person. You know, guard your heart, brother. Guard your heart, sister. Um, you know, or like Christian dating, where um, like I actually feel like most of us could guard our hearts like a little less. Like actually, come on, guys, chop chop. Like Jesus is coming. Um, and, um, <laughs> like, move along, right? Um, and um, I think what's actually going on here is the message translation says, "Keep vigilant. What? Keep vigilant. Watch over your heart, for that's where the life starts." So be careful that your life in this world doesn't make your heart septic, callous and dirty. Be careful what your heart becomes because that is where your life comes from. Guard your heart. Be careful what your heart becomes. So today I want to give you three pieces of heartbreaking news. (laughs) I feel like I've got like the two old men from the Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's only you in the room. Be as loud as you want. Um, but I'm going to tell you three heartbreaking pieces of news. Three things that are heartbreaking, but then I'm going to tell you the good news of Jesus. Okay? So stay with me through the heartbreak. Um, I was a groomsman at a wedding a little while ago. 
And um, for some reason, when I go to weddings, I think because I'm a priest, this thing keeps happening where they keep on putting me at the table with the parents. Like, I never get to sit with people my own age. It's so weird. They're like, oh, Scotty, he's lovely. Like, which I'm not. Like, like, I have to try so hard to be well-behaved for that three or four hours, eh? Like, it is absolutely excruciating. Like, <laughs> um, but I... Um, yeah, I end up I end up with the, the parents and on this particular one I ended up with the grandparents and the priest who ran the service. Um, and probably because they saw a giant hair growing out of the middle of my forehead. Um, and um, and we were sitting with these people and they were people who had served the church their whole lives. They'd given a whole lot of money to the church, they'd showed up to set up cups of tea and to put out chairs, they'd, they'd raised their kids to have a faith to follow Jesus. Um, they'd been to a bunch of small groups that done all the stuff that a good middle-class Pākehā Christian is supposed to do in New Zealand. And then we sat there and listened as one of them, this sort of this darkness came over the conversation. And one of these people in the 70s says, I'm just not sure any of it's true anymore. And I thought, whoa. And then I watched as four or five of these other older people all agreed. We're just not sure if we believe it anymore. And then they started to talk about the leaders who had let them down. The unresolved disagreements that had with others about the projects that um, hadn't turned out the way they thought. And here were some of them throwing in their faith at six, seven, eight decades in just before the finish line. And when it came down to it, it was about wounded people. These were wounded people who had obviously experienced some real disappointment and had experienced some real disillusionment and were now not sure if the group of people they committed their life to and the God they committed their life to had actually worked out for them. And the thing is that like disappointment and disillusionment is so okay. Like that is the reality of growing up and being a breathing human on this world. <laughs> you know, Bishop Justin says we get disillusioned because we have an illusion to begin with. And all of us have illusions about what our life is going to be like and about how it should be for us that have to be shattered. Particularly at the age group that this church mostly is. That we are finding day by day that some of the promises, like just go to uni, you'll get a job. No, <laughs> um, or or just um, these ideas we had about you know if you were like me, you went to youth group and every week you sung about how you were going to be a history maker in this land, and then you realise you're not going to be a history maker. You're just going to be a really faithful dad, you know, <laughs> which is like just as significant. But these illusions are forever shattering. So disillusionment is fine, and disappointment is fine, and I'm not saying it feels good, but it's a reality of growing up and being an adult, it's to have moments of disappointment and disillusionment. And that's where that comes to, they were, they were wounded, they were wounded by this disappointment and disillusionment, but the problem is that in their disappointment, their disillusionment and their woundedness, that their hearts had gone septic. Now the definition around what it is for something um, to go septic if someone is, is wounded, or they have an inflammation, and then basically the body's immune system overreacts to that wound or that inflammation. And then the very system, this immune system, which is meant to heal the body, actually starts killing the very systems that are supposed to heal it. 
Are you following me? The very, it's not what happens to the person, it's the overreaction of the body that actually kills them in the end. A lot of people die in secondary reactions to a wound that could have actually been healed. And I've seen a lot of people's faith die because of secondary reactions to woundedness, secondary reactions to disillusionment and to disappointment that actually didn't need to kill their faith, but they allowed their heart to go septic. I've seen a lot of faith die because of secondary reactions, because of because of things going septic. The person who was betrayed and says, I will never love again. The person who is disillusioned and says, I will never dream again. The person who is hurt and says, I will never trust again. It's woundedness that becomes septic. A secondary reaction that starts killing the very thing within you that would bring you back to life. And so point number one tonight. In this world you will be wounded. And it is the nature of a wounded heart to go septic if it's untended. Keep vigilant watch over your hearts. That's where the life starts. Second thing I want to drill in on. Um, a few years ago, uh, me and uh, a couple of friends started supporting a good friend of ours, Susie, who many of you know, who was about uh, 20, 21 at the time. Um, and Susie fell into this really intense pattern of self-harm um, and, um, and we just didn't know what to do. So basically what we did is just for about six to nine months, we just stayed up all night every night um, to try and either stop her self-harming, to help put her back together again, to get her to the hospital. Um, it's just this incredibly, incredibly intense time. And I can remember waking up in the morning and you'd have just, you would have just fallen into bed and having, having blood on your sleeves because you just hadn't you just come straight from looking after her. It was just carnage. And so we got to this point. We're just like, we don't actually know if we're helping. We can't do this anymore. And we got in touch with this Christian social worker um, in, in the hope she could tell us how we could handle this situation better, how we could love Susie better. And the piece of advice she gave to us was, um, you're just going to have to accept that she's going to be like this for the rest of her life. Whoa. This is the person we're coming to for hope. You're just going to have to accept that she's going to be like this for the rest of her life. I just remember in my gut going, no fucking no. <laughs> you know? Like, no way. And those of you who know Susie know that she was not like that for the rest of her life. Yeah. But Susie now leads other people into freedom. Yeah. Yeah. The, world, the world is a dumpster fire, right? <laughs> Like, it is such an incredibly harsh and brutal place. And over our lives, we will be amazed by what we watch other people have to endure and what we sometimes have to endure ourselves. And over time, those experiences have a way of wearing us down. Hey. Like, they get under your skin. They kind of just like sandpaper on your skin. They just wear away at you. I got this quote from Homer Simpson, which I remembered when I was preparing this, but I just think it's really funny. Um... And um, I do a pseudo Homer Simpson voice. You know, Marge. Um, he, says, he says, You know, Marge, that Bart is a little miracle. His winning smile, his button nose, his fat little stomach, his face alight with wholesome mischief. He reminds me of me before the weight of the world crushed my spirit. <laughs> and it's like, we laugh, we laugh though, right? Because we know it's potentially true, right? 
Because we have seen people who over the course of their lives, the weight of the world has actually crushed it down on their spirit. If we're honest, continual experiences of the pain and suffering of ourselves and one another can have a way of killing that wholesome mischief in us, eh? Can have a way of killing that wholesome mischief in us. And what we often end up saying is we say, I just had to get tough. Or I had to develop a thick skin. Had to develop a thicker skin. Um, a few years ago, two or three years ago, um, me and some friends, uh, Jess and Esme and our friend Prashan, um, did this uh, walking event called the Oxfam Trail Walker, um, which is like a 100 kilometre non-stop walk, um, which I would not have got through had it not been for Jess near carrying me the last 10 kilometres um, <laughs> as possible. Um, and um, yeah, I, um, my knee gave out after about 20 kilometres. Um, and so basically my knee gives out and then I have to, which the dumb thing about this is I've done it before and my knee gave out that time so I can't really complain too much um, but then you start having to shift your weight differently and other problems sort of crop up um, and one of them was this blister started on one of my heels on this heel and um, I guess basically that blister rubbed for 80 kilometres um, and by the time I took my shoe off at the end, there was a blister about like this big that just surrounded the whole heel. And over the next few weeks, you know, I obviously drained it out and, uh, and then... <laughs> um, um, and, um, and over the next few weeks, um, this thing gradually dries out and then eventually like the side of my heel just goes rock hard. Um, and it's just like, it's just never actually come back. And I can like straight put a drawing pin in my heel, eh? And there is just no feeling in that thing. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. And this is just from one 100 kilometre walk that it has never come back from. And it never, it probably never again will. Um, and um, it's this funny thing, right? There's this constant abrasion, right, that happens to my heel. And basically, it starts bleeding. And then something in my immune system goes, we never want to bleed again. <laughs> become rock hard <laughs> and this callus just goes like intensely firm um, so that if I want to walk another 100 kilometres, no pus, no bleeding um, and yet I'm never going to do that again, right? <laughs> um, I, think, I think this is like exactly what happens to our hearts in the way that we... Great <laughs> <Right>, Lynn. <laughs> Like we start, we start young and we start willing to give everything. And then we get cut or we bleed. And in the midst of it we go, I have to get hard and I have to never feel that again. And so we set up ways to protect ourselves. We become callous. But in the same time that we protect ourselves, we also stop ourselves from ever feeling again. It stops us, yeah, it stops us from bleeding again, but it also stops us from feeling. So we are protected from pain but we also kill our compassion at the same time. And it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And I think there are too many walking around who, because of something that once happened or an abrasion that they have felt again and again, have decided to get hard, but have lost the place where their heart can be truly moved and they can feel again. So that point number one, in this world you will be wounded and it's the nature of a wounded heart to go septic. Point number two, in this world you will get worn out at times, and it is the nature of a worn out heart to grow calloused. Third little story, I, um, when I moved up to Brooklyn, um, I think I talk about this a bit, but um, 
I don't care. Um, <laughs> um, but um, when I moved up to Brooklyn, really wanted to get to know the local neighbourhood. So the first thing I got involved with was a poker night at the local pub on a Thursday, um, and uh, which are very much like looks very. Everyone there is very different to me, um, and um, and just has been like quite a hilarious journey. Um, but after about six months, they stopped calling me Simon, um, and <laughs> that felt really good. Um, and um, and now I'm kind of like part of the mob. Um, but I, I love it. I love going along to that. But something I've noticed um, is that often around the kind of one and a half, two hour mark, is I start feeling really sad. Um, and partly that's because I've normally lost all my money at that point. <laughs> but, um, but, but I think there's something else going on there. And I think what happens is that I kind of pick up the pain of the people in the room. Like often when I turn up there at seven o'clock, there are people already smashed. They've been there drinking since 5, 5.30, drinking away their pain all afternoon. Um, and there are people there who, over hands of poker, will talk about how bad their relationship is with their partner, will talk about how bad their work situation is, but they can't afford to leave. There's just a lot of sad people there. Um, and actually, like by the end of the night, it almost feels like a dirt that sticks to me. Like, it kind of feels like I'm, like, dusty or muddy. I was, I was thinking earlier on of that phrase, um, you know, some people say where well, you have, like, a really rugged conversation, someone's like, oh, I feel like I need a shower. Like, I'm like, that is kind of how it feels sometimes after a night there. It's just like, oh, I just, like, I actually feel like I need to be washed of this experience. And we live in this world, and we are so immersed in its attitudes and its culture, its sadness, its despair, and its brutality. And, um, and, and in the midst of that, sometimes I find that this kind of this, this dirt gets stuck to me and gets stuck to us. And sometimes we end up in these situations where we find ourselves saying things which we wouldn't normally say that we feel uncomfortable with. You might relate to this in a workplace maybe, you know? Or you find yourself crossing lines you wouldn't normally cross, or you find yourself a little less hopeful and getting a little more cynical because the water and the mud that you swim in is hopeless and cynical. You know, one of the metaphors the scriptures uses for sin is of a stain. And sometimes it just feels like, man, like when you've for a few days dwelled in the lives of folks who are genuinely hopeless, it just feels like this thick dirt on you. See, in this world, the sadness and desperation will cling to you. And it is the nature of a clean heart to get dirty. And I think actually Christians get really weird when we try to stay clean. You know? When church movements go, oh, we're just going to stay away from the dirtiness. It's too dirty. <laughs> you know? We don't want to be influenced. We don't want to be compromised. I think the reality is to be in the world is for your clean heart to be made dirty. It is the nature of a clean heart to grow dirty. Keep vigilant. Watch over your heart. That's where the life starts. So those three things again. In this world you will be wounded and it is the nature of a wounded heart to go septic. Point two, in this world you will get worn out at times and it is the nature of a worn-out heart to grow calloused. And point three, in this world, the sadness and desperation of this world will cling to you. And it is the nature of a clean heart to grow dirty. So these are three bits of miserable news. That the reality of living in this world means that you will at times have a wounded heart which wants to go septic. 
you will at times have a clean heart that wants to be dirty. And you will at times have a worn out heart that wants to grow callous. And that, if you do not tend your heart, is what your heart will become, whether you like it or not. Is it will become hard, it will become cold, it will become dirty, it will become septic. I want to return to that passage from Ezekiel I read at the beginning. A little bit of context, Ezekiel was a prophet, 590 BC, and the story goes like this, that the Jews had at one point had their promised land, learned to be God's people, truly believed they were God's people, and then end up a while later carried away into captivity in Babylon. And while they're there, they can't practice their religious customs. They can't be who they learn to be as God's people. And they begin to question, are we even really God's people anymore? Are we even his chosen people? They become deeply, deeply disillusioned, deeply disappointed, deeply wounded. Ezekiel um, 36, 3, the prophet says this about their situation. He says, They ravaged and crushed you from every side so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations and the object of people's malicious talk and slander. What does the prophet say? They stole from you, they violated you, they enslaved you, they mocked you, and they abused you. This is a totally downcast people who are deeply wounded, deeply dirty, deeply worn out. But then God says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So I said I would give you good news. And this is the good news from this passage. To those whose wounded hearts have gone septic, verse 26, I will give you a new heart. To those whose worn hearts have gone calloused, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, verse 26. To those whose clean hearts have become dirty, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean, verse 25. This is the good news of Jesus. It is the nature of a wounded heart to go septic, but it is the nature of our God to give us new hearts. It is the nature of a worn out heart to grow callous, but it is the nature of God to renew us and give us hearts of flesh. It is the nature of clean hearts to become dirty, but it is the nature of our God to wash us and to make us clean. Isn't that good news? That this world will try to take everything from you. It will try to hurt your heart. It will try to make your heart go septic. It will try to callous you. It will try to make you dirty. But our God is a good God who can give you a new heart, who can wash you, who can remove the callus, who can take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh again. It is not on you to try harder to stay soft, but when we stay close to Jesus, then our beautiful, hopeful naivety stays alive. That's such good news, right? That we don't need to buy into the bullshit. We don't need to become harder and harder and harder to get through as we face disappointment. But we can be renewed again and again. We can put our disappointment, our disillusionment, our woundedness, our worn outness and our filth upon Jesus. And God will come to us. 
I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And so are you wounded? Is anyone here tonight wounded and you feel like you've gone septic? Is anyone here tonight worn out and you feel like you've gone callous? Does anyone here have a stain on your heart? Do you feel like you started out with something clean, but it's all filth now? Don't try to clean that yourself. Come to Jesus tonight, and the Holy Spirit can actually come and wash, make clean, renew, and make soft again. That's such good news, right? I don't want to die a bitter old man. I really don't. You know, I don't want to die with a hair in the middle of my forehead either. But I don't want to die a bitter old man. And I'm looking for a way to stay hopeful. I'm looking for a way to stay hopeful. Who's looking for a way to stay hopeful? Yeah? Final little thing I'll... I'll um... No, I'm not going to share anything else. Um... <laughs> Let's just sit in stillness for a moment. Let the worship team jump up. Why don't you just close your eyes where you are? And if you're really desiring this renewal and this cleansing and this softening, then I just, just ask you to put your hands out as if you're offering your heart to God. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, we just particularly tonight lift up to you those people who hold out their hands and hold out their hearts, who find it hard to believe. Jesus, you see that. We pray, come. Come and bring renewal. Come and bring softening. Come and bring cleansing, Jesus, we pray. Jesus, for those here who can't even hope, but just sort of hope for hope, God, we just pray that you, yeah, you would meet them. They draw near to you and you draw near to them. Come, Holy Spirit, and meet them in their place. feel an invitation to one person, Jesus, just saying, do you want fullness of life? And I feel for some people here, there's an invitation to foolishness. You feel like an idiot right now. And God's like, that feeling, that is me. Don't be afraid, my love is stronger, my love is stronger.
wanting to pray for God's spirit to come and bring refreshing and softening. Um, so like I totally back counselling and I back places to talk about things but I think tonight like what we want to go for is come Holy Spirit um, and do a renewing and refreshing work. Is that cool? So um, that's how we want to pray tonight. Um, We get into things um, with a liturgy um, that we do together as a whanau. Um, so things that are not involved. 